Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Now, for those of us who have been watching the U.S. markets, their equities have hit their hottest winning streak in two years. The S&P 500 rose for an eighth consecutive day just last night, extending its longest win streak in two years. The Nasdaq Composite, meanwhile, inched up about 0.08%, and that's the ninth positive day and its longest string of gains in two years as well. So what exactly is driving optimism back into markets after a rough October? And how sustainable are these gains? We also take a review at the U.S. earnings season and explore what the results suggest about the health of the U.S. economy and how you can shape your investment portfolios as we step closer to the end of this year. And to help us with these questions and more, let's welcome on the show Cheng Chai Sen, the head of investment at Provident. Good morning, Chison. How are you doing this Thursday morning? Doing great, Dan. Good morning. Wonderful, Chison. Thanks a lot for joining us. Now, let's begin with the um, rally that we're seeing over in the US. And US stocks, they've been rising to their longest winning streak for at least two years now. Talk to us about some of the catalysts that's fueling the market rebound. Uh, definitely nice to see the stocks going up for a change. It mm. was uh, pretty grim in October. I think the S&P 500 fell about 10% from its peak at one point into sort of a correction. And uh, overall, it did fell, fall 2.1% in October, which you know made for a pretty grim month following uh, September, which also was a down month. And uh, yeah, but so far, uh, it's been a great week. Uh, we've had stocks up around 4.22% in the last five trading days. Wow. So that's definitely uh, much rosier looking. Uh, as for the reason for the rebound, it's hard to put just one reason, but uh, a couple of things have been happening uh, in the past week that have you know, given uh, equity investors some cheer. I think the first is uh, the Fed continue to pause uh, raising rates, uh, and they were definitely more balanced in their comments about the economy this time. Uh, they did say that um, they will continue to look closely at the data and uh, they are also saying that they, you know, keep the option open for raising rates, but they do see that, you know, uh, currently there isn't a good reason to carry on raising rates. So, you know, they have been a bit more balanced and then that's sort of giving the market some kind of uh, optimism that this period of uh, rate hikes is over should inflation continue to moderate. Mm. Another reason is that... Uh, the Treasury also came out to say that uh, they will be issuing less bonds than expect uh, what was previously announced. So, you know, the Treasury has previously forecasted they will need to uh, sell a certain amount of uh, bonds to the market to, um, you know, raise money for the U.S. government. But uh, they did come out to say that uh, they might issue a little less than uh, what was previously announced. It wasn't by a lot. Mm. But, you know, that market took that as a good sign that, you know, there will be less supply of bonds coming in and that sort of allowed long-term yields to fall a bit and that sort of helped equities. So, you know, economic data also has been a little mixed in this period. So, yeah. uh, investors continue to, uh, you know, 
price in the, all the information coming in. And I think this time around, uh, investors are a little more optimistic because uh, inflation has come down. Like the CPI has fallen quite far from last year's peak and the September rate was around 3.7%. So it's uh, already trending below the current you know, uh, overnight interest rates. Right. The economy is fairly robust. Uh, labor market remains strong and the number of job vacancies are above expectations. But however, and wage growth remains high, but manufacturing sort of shrank more than forecast. So it's still a mixed bag, mm. but you know, it, investors are feeling that well because it's mixed, gives the Fed more room to pause. And uh, so what we've seen is yields have fallen to around 4.5%. Yeah. And that's allowed sort of these growth stocks to rebound strongly in November. Right. Though we need a little bit of optimism considering what we've all been through for this year so far. And um, interestingly, according to LPL Financial, November has been the strongest month for stocks since 1950. And the benchmark index has declined for the month just once in the past 11 years. And that's back in 2021. And so far, I mean, like what we've discussed, it's already starting to look very promising for the market, at least a few days into the a few trading days into November. So, Chison, is this rebound likely to last? I mean, what are some of the risks that might derail this rebound? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think that's definitely on everyone's minds right now, trying mm. to assess what the market's really trying to price in. Uh, I think right now, what we're seeing is that we're getting some relief from the lower treasury yields yep. because um, 10-year yields form the bedrock of most equity pricing models. So when the yield shot up to almost 5%, that means that you know uh, the discount rate for a lot of uh, stock valuations was much higher. So you know, a lower yield is likely to give you a higher intrinsic value for stocking your model. And so you know, uh, a lot of this rebound will depend on the trajectory of the economy and how that affects yields and rates. Um, the Fed is looking to continue their QT, which sort of allows for uh, bonds to continue to run off the balance sheet. You know, previously they were buying the bonds, so you know they're adding bonds to the balance sheet now. Yeah. They are letting the bonds mature, and uh, they're not adding them back to the balance sheet. So that mm. means you know it's uh, monetary conditions are still tighter. We also see less foreign buyers of treasuries, and there's going to be more issuance coming you know even though the u.s government said they will issue less bonds still they're still issuing more bonds than they have previously issued mm -hmm. so all these are sort of clouding the demand and supply outlook for treasuries but i think you know unless something pushes the fed to cut rates you know it's still going to be sort of higher yields uh, than what we've been used to in the long end of the curve and so mm. uh, equity investors are still going to be more discerning about the opportunities and the valuations going forward. And of mm. course, um, there could potentially be other inflationary shocks, you know, if the conflict in the Middle East spreads, uh, yeah. it can affect energy prices and that can be very inflationary. So if the Fed's forced to raise rates, if inflation comes back again, you know, that can also derail the rebound. Yeah, after all, their main focus has always been to bring down inflation to the 2% target as well. Thanks a lot for that, Chison. Now let's bring this conversation over to the local market and talk about Singapore stocks. I mean, has it also rebounded in line? And what are some sectors that you've seen, you know, maybe some recovery as well? Yeah, definitely. The local market uh, has seen some relief, at least uh, in the early part of November. We saw mm. STI recovering about 3.3% in yeah. early November. And uh, I think the sector that has been uh, 
struggling the most and has been sort of rebounding hard is actually the very interest rate sensitive sector, uh, the REITs. Yes. So uh, if you look at the IH uh, S REIT index, uh, it's recovered almost 6% from the start of November. Mm. So what you know that's sort of telling us is that large part of the rally, uh, especially for REITs, uh, partly has been driven by the falling long-term yields in the last one week, uh, which is uh, a huge relief for REITs. I mean, you know, we REITs have been struggling for most of the year, uh, firstly because, well, the short-term rates went up and then now the long-term rates went up. And uh, we all know that REITs are uh, very dependent on uh, interest rates, uh, especially on the risk-free rates, because REITs have to borrow yeah. to finance, you know, to continually finance their uh, acquisitions, also to finance their uh, running costs, because uh, sort of that's the business model that REITs are built on. So um, higher interest rates, uh, higher yields that the REITs have to borrow at will cause them to, uh, you know, will eat into their cash flow, yeah. uh, make them pay out less dividends. And of course, uh, investors will have to price, you know, the stocks uh, and the asset accordingly mm. uh, based on the higher rates. So, uh, yeah, you know, a 6% rally in REITs, I think uh, that's sort of been the big uh, sector that has uh, been leading uh, the recovery in Singapore stocks because, uh, yeah, uh, 10-year yields falling 50 basis points is quite, quite a big thing for them. Right, don't we love the sound of that? The recovery in REITs, as REITs. And um, what about, you know, maybe let's discuss some of the strategies or ways that investors can position themselves, you know, in this current market uh, sentiment to benefit from the rebound if it actually lasts. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, we, it's really hard to time the market, of course, and yeah. that's something that we don't try to do at Provident. So, I mean, if we look at sort of the start of the year, um, there was a lot of buzz around, uh, you know, trying to buy Europe or buy Japan. But if you look at the performance so far uh, in US dollar terms, um, the MSCI Europe is, you know, only up for about 4.5% year to date, end of October. Yeah. And uh, Japan is about 6.6% roughly in US dollar terms. Um, so, you know, the US stocks have actually done uh, much better than that at about 10%. Uh, but say, you know, if you didn't, try to pick any sectors and you just went and bought, you know, the mm. broad MSCI World Index, you would yeah. actually have a very respectable 8.3% uh, return to the end of, you know, October. You would have done better than if you tried to target certain sectors or certain markets and got them wrong. I mean, oh. of course, if you if you pick the, the market that did the best, like say I just bought US stocks, you yeah. would have done better. But, you know, that's... Uh, that, isn't the case all the time. There mm. are periods where the US doesn't do as well as other markets. So, you know, if you just position yourself in a very broad, uh, diversified index fund, low cost, uh, and not try to pick markets or sectors, you'll still do pretty well. And that's what we do at Provident for our clients. Wonderful. Great diversification advice there. Thanks a lot for that, Chaisen. Now let's shift our attention over to the US earnings season and discuss mm -hmm. what the latest results suggest about the American economy. Now, first off, what do you make of the latest earnings results? And to you, who were some of the winners and losers of the third quarter? Earnings season is still sort of going on, but, you know, we can uh, discuss what we've seen so far. Yeah. So initially, uh, the estimate actually for S&P 500 earnings was to fall, you know, 0.3% in third quarter. So expectations were actually pretty dismal. People, analysts were all feeling that the companies would actually report 
falling earnings uh, into this quarter. But what we've actually seen so far is that uh, S&P 500 is on track to post the 2.7% year-on-year rise in earnings. So it surpassed expectations uh, tremendously. Yep. Uh, however, investors are showing themselves to be much more discerning this time around because uh, companies that miss earnings, um, their stocks have declined around 5% which is actually more than double the five-year average of around 2.3%. So, you know, in this case, uh, investors are really, you know, focusing much more on valuations, much more on fundamentals, because uh, obviously the the alternative to buying a stock right now is a very juicy, you know, almost 5% US 10-year yield. So, yeah. so uh, investors have been more discerning. So, I mean, some companies have uh, definitely stood out. Uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, the tech companies like Google, Meta, they actually posted pretty strong quarters, but their stocks fell uh, quite badly after earnings because um, their outlooks weren't so good. You know, Google was uh, reporting some slowing sales in the cloud and Meta was more cautious on the advertising outlook. Uh, however, you know, Amazon and Microsoft were some of the winners uh, because they reported strong results. Amazon had great sales in the cloud and uh, Microsoft also had uh, strong sales in the cloud. And so um, the investors have been you know, sort of focusing on that and they uh, rewarded those companies. Um, I guess one that's interesting is yesterday, uh, Disney also reported and the stock the investors like what they saw, even though Disney um, has been struggling recently. Yeah. But uh, they managed to uh, turn it around somewhat. Uh, their cost base has come down and the CEO has announced a new plan to uh, uh, revamp the business units and yeah. uh, the stock has gone up uh, after market. So, so th- that's another sort of winner from this mm. earnings season, I guess. Wow, yeah, lots of uh, surprises here, I must say. And on the topic of Disney as well, talk about revamp. We've got, they've got a new um, finance chief as well, I believe. It's uh, Hugh Johnston, who is uh, quite a rep for himself um, uh, from his previous uh, stint at PepsiCo. Now, thanks a lot for that, Chison. Now, um, what about, you know, taking a broader look at, you know, the guidance uh, issued this earnings season and for the quarter and beyond. I mean, what have you been seeing so far? And are you noticing any trends across the various sectors? I think overall, you're seeing uh, businesses be much more uh, cautious, I think, in their guidance, yeah. uh, except for some companies that are seeing uh, that their businesses are doing strongly. I think in general, most companies have been cautious in their outlook. Uh, if you look at a lot of CEOs, they have been mentioning that they're still concerned about you know, uh, consumer spending uh, going forward, about, uh, about their sort of uh, business prospects going forward. So I think generally the outlook is still cautious because uh, as we know, inflation's sort of not gone away. Yeah. And we have seen that uh, the US consumer has been spending strongly, but um, they are depleting their savings quite a lot. Mm. Uh, I think even in Singapore, we have uh, seen some of that. I think yesterday we saw the report uh, from uh, OCDC that said that most, uh, a lot of Singaporeans are delaying their retirement yeah. planning mm. uh, because of the inflation. Mm. So it's forcing them to sort of spend more on what they need 
right now. Yeah. So I think that, that definitely is the same thing in the US. So I think uh, overall we're seeing some fairly cautious outlooks, uh, even from analysts and also from businesses overall. I see. All right. Thanks a lot for bringing that up, Tyson. Now, you know, taking a look at what we've uh, discussed so far, how do you interpret the... How do you interpret the results and what do they suggest about the health of the economy for you know, the US and how might this influence our investing approach going forward? Yeah, I think the US economy is actually still looking pretty strong. Uh, like okay. I mentioned earlier, uh, I think the labor market numbers have been uh, very good uh, yeah. and wage growth continues to be uh, fairly strong and uh, job vacancies have continued to be above uh, expectations. So I think if you look at those measures, definitely the U.S. economy is still doing okay. And also, you know, consumer spending um, has been uh, fairly robust even in the third quarter. And uh, we are heading into uh, the holiday season, fourth quarter. So I think uh, consumer spending uh, will continue to uh, hold up there most likely i think mm. where you know it, it's going to be uh definitely challenging is uh next year because um it, if these rates stay uh at these levels uh for say a year or or two what that means is that uh companies especially smaller companies will have to refinance loans or take loans at much much higher interest rates mm. and uh that will be a challenge uh, definitely for smaller companies because obviously um, small companies uh, don't have the flexibility of large companies you know they have much more uh, their cash flows are not so certain so you know anything that will eat into the cash flows of uh, companies will you know affect profits will affect the wages they can pay out and that can have a knock-on effect on the economy also you know oil prices they have moderated quite a bit but of course if any kind of shock happens uh, to oil prices you know as we know uh, transport prices sort of feed into every part of the economy because you know transporting raw materials transporting goods transporting uh, even shipping for you know e-commerce shopping all Mm. that can affect uh, businesses' profit margins uh, in some ways and that takes time uh, to sort of feed through the economy. So, Mm. uh, I mean, I think less than uh, 50% of economists now are sort of predicting recession for the US going forward. So, definitely, uh, it's uh, people are not all that negative on the U.S. economy, but of course, uh, there's still a lot of uncertainty in the data and in the outlook because you know um, many things can happen that can sort of derail that uh, that forecast. Yeah, it's a regular word that I use a lot: <laughs> uncertainty as well as volatility. Now we still got we, we've still got a little bit of time left, and I like to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence, Tyson. And uh, you know, this AI has been around for years, but recent advances have made the technology more powerful and more compelling than ever. And we're seeing it expand very very quickly i mean just recently we've got elon musk introducing his new um chatbot i think it's called grok if i'm not wrong and just yesterday as well samsung released its new chatbot ai chatbot it's called samsung gauss i believe so for a start can you share with us your thoughts on the ai industry and the competition that you're seeing today uh sure well i mean first of all note that you know these are all opinions and any investor should do their <laughs> yeah. own due diligence before investing in any stock or fund. Uh, I mean, I definitely, you know, uh, AI right now, 
uh, is a sector that everybody is trying to be a part of it. But uh, there are different ways to uh, get access to AI, really. Uh, I mean, uh, Microsoft is actually one of the uh, leaders right now. They, you know, invested in open AI. They've been integrating um, uh, their AI into their browser, into their um, software, uh, mm. which is pretty good. Uh, yeah, and of course, uh, Google definitely wants to be a part of it. Uh, although Google's somewhat behind, they have a AI called Bard, but yeah, uh, I don't think it's been generally released yet. Mm. Uh, apparently, if you if you own a Pixel phone, you probably will get to test it earlier than others. But you know, mm. for now, uh, they're still working on it. So, um, I mean, aside from you know, of course, Samsung and the other companies that you mentioned, uh, yeah. those those are that's sort of the main uh, the AI that you sort of. But of course, there are also other companies like uh, NVIDIA. Um, they make the chips that power all these uh, AI calculations yeah. in the data centers. Mm. And that is uh, obviously uh, something that has really boosted NVIDIA's stock uh, this year because they are seeing massive demand and they are one of the most uh, bullish on the demand for AI. So mm. uh, they are one of the companies that are benefiting greatly from this. Okay. Uh, of course, um, other chip-making companies are also uh, trying to catch up like Intel and AMD. So you know yeah. they won't rest on their laurels. And so mm. uh, those are also some other ways you can uh, get exposure to AI. Right, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the common plays would be Amazon, Microsoft, Google, NVIDIA, AMD. I mean, the list goes on. But are there also any other ways to indirectly invest in AI? I mean, except from the mainstream uh, stocks that we've been seeing on the news of late. And how can we strategically add AI stocks into our portfolio? That's a great question. So, you know, something like a second order uh, kind of investment would be, well, TSMC makes all the chips for NVIDIA. So if NVIDIA is seeing massive orders, <laughs> that's going to yep. go to TSMC. Okay. So that's one of the ways you can think of playing it on the second order, like who makes the chips for the guys designing the chips. Yep. Uh, another way is, uh, of course, you could look for some thematic kind of funds. Uh, I mean, the, the, the ARC funds are very famous and they are quite thematic to tech. Uh, oh. They do have one, I think, that is sort of... Future technology or something like that. So I think that one will have uh, definitely some exposure to AI companies that uh, is very, very, um, you know, probably not these larger companies that most people are aware of. So that's one way to get some exposure. Of course, please uh, do your own due diligence. <laughs> this is not a recommendation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think one of the ways you can really ask yourself is, uh, you know, is there an easier way to do this? And uh, is is there a way to sort sort of own this without having to um, to to pick all these stocks by yourself and worry uh, about whether you know there's a winner or a loser? Because I mean, just remember, sort of when social media started, mm. um, Facebook was not the leader. Right? Yeah. I think there was something like MySpace or something else that mm. was the leader. Yeah. And, but then that did now, and you know we have Facebook. So if you had invested in MySpace, you you know. You, you wouldn't you wouldn't have uh, mm. had a successful investment, but yep. you know, uh, Facebook was the one, and sort of Google wasn't the first search engine, and you know, Apple wasn't the first smartphone. I mean, uh, I think we all remember BlackBerry that you know they were the leaders at one point. Yeah, and Apple was nowhere with smartphones, but yeah. you know, uh, Apple's now the leader, just like Google's now the leader for search, uh, internet search. So, um, you know, uh, even though. 
some of these companies that we talked about might be the leaders right now. We really don't know if they will be the leaders in yeah. the future. So, you know, if you bring it back to diversification, you know, there are ways to just buy a very diversified fund yeah. uh, that will hold a bit of everything. So you don't have to think about uh, picking all these stocks and worrying if you've gotten the right ones. Uh, yep. At Provident, we do use these funds from uh, Dimensional. Mm. They have over 9,000 stocks in them, wow. you know, spread out across all all uh, countries uh, all over the world. And uh, that allows our clients to get exposure to all these companies. I mean, they, they probably own most of the companies that we have mentioned. Uh, even some of the small companies that can possibly be in the art funds, they have a, a little bit in it. It's over 9,000 stocks. It allows our clients to get exposure to all these companies without having to, you know, figure out which one's going to be the winner in the future because if one of them becomes the winner, it will start to, you know, become a bigger company yeah. and, you know, your portfolio will benefit. So it takes the guesswork out of China having to stock pick. And uh, we feel that's a pretty good way to get some exposure to AI too. Wow, fabulous. Thank you as always for this uh, comprehensive breakdown, Chen Chaisen. Thanks, Dan. All right, we've been speaking to Chen Chaisen, the head of investment at Provident, talking all about what's driving the optimism back into markets in the month of November, as well as how you can strategically add AI stocks into your investment portfolio. Continue to keep it right here with us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.